Hello, I'm Dr. Annalene Weston, Dental Legal Consultant at Dental Protection. Welcome to Risk Bites, a series of podcasts created specifically for dental practitioners in Australia. Risk Bites looks at key dental legal risks and issues affecting dental practitioners across Australia and provides helpful advice and guidance on how to steer clear of them, leaving you free to provide safe and high quality dental care for your patients. In this edition, my colleague, Dr. Kiran Keshwara, will be looking at the importance of privacy and why it is so very important. So Kiran, although privacy and confidentiality are often used interchangeably, they do actually have different meanings, don't they? They do actually have different meanings. Privacy is about the access to personal information, who can access it and under what circumstances. And privacy has laws around it that guide us. Privacy is about the collection, storage, and use of personal information, whereas confidentiality is more about how to keep information gathered from our patients in confidence. And while there are no laws around confidentiality, it's a very important aspect of the clinician-patient relationship. In either case, ultimately, I think it boils down to respecting a person's autonomy. An individual should have the right to have their personal information, including information about their health, kept private. As I'm sure all listeners would agree, we would not want to have personal or health information shared with others, and it's reasonable for our patients to expect the same. And as such, there are guidelines and laws around privacy and our responsibilities with regards to this. What's included in health information? Health information is basically any personal information about a patient's health and can include information or opinions about an individual's illness, injury, or any disabilities, notes about any symptoms or diagnosis. The information about any health services that are received and specialist reports and blood test results are also included in this, as well as appointments and financial details. Now we generally say the patient's records. So can you explain for our listeners who the records actually belong to? While technically it can be argued that the records are the patient's records, The practice where they were created owns the records and the clinician writing them is the author. Having said that, since the records contain information about the patient, they have a right to access them and can also request changes to the records if they believe they are incorrect. But just because a patient believes the records are false, that does not mean that you have to change them. As long as you can tell the patient why you do not agree, you are not under an obligation to change the records. As we've discussed many times before, the records are a valuable resource for us when it comes to reviewing the previous care and interactions that a patient has received, and we need them to be as accurate as possible. You mentioned laws and guidelines around privacy. Can you tell us a bit more about this? The Privacy Act 1988 outlines the responsibilities that clinicians have in complying with the management of health information, as well as personal information, and there are a number of key requirements contained in what's called the Australian Privacy Principles. There are a total of 13 Australian Privacy Principles, and they guide us on how to collect, use, and disclose personal information, and what an individual's rights are to access them. The Australian Government's Office of the Australian Information Commissioner, the OAIC, also gives us lots of information on health information and privacy. Should a patient feel that their information has been mishandled, they can make a complaint to the OAIC. Along with this, if there has been a data breach, all agencies and organisations carrying personal information, again including all health service providers, 
are obliged to notify the OAIC and the affected individual or individuals if there has been a breach that is likely to result in serious harm. What is serious harm? Now, serious harm to an individual may include serious physical, psychological, emotional, reputational or financial harm. And a failure to notify can lead to a fine of up to $2.1 million. The other main source of guidance for us as dental professionals is the Dental Board of Australia. The Dental Board's Code of Conduct tells us that practitioners have an ethical and legal obligation to protect the privacy of people requiring and receiving care. It says that patients have a right to expect that practitioners and their staff will hold information about them in confidence unless the information is required to be released by law. We can release or disclose a patient's information to others as well under certain circumstances, can't we, Kieran? There are a number of reasons why we as clinicians can disclose a patient's information to others. This includes the disclosure of information for the same purpose that it was collected from the patient, or if it is directly related to a purpose that a patient would reasonably expect you to use it, such as for a referral to a specialist. Another reason would be if it's required for the release of those records or patient information by the law, or if it's necessary to prevent serious threat to life, health or safety, and it's not practical to get the patient's consent. Of course, along with this, we can release a patient's records if a patient agrees to this beforehand. Now, one of the things that confuses many of our members is whether they can disclose the patient's records to us. And of course, they can, as this is permissible under the Privacy Act as a secondary purpose of the collection of records. So our members absolutely can release the patient records to us for advice. Now, you also mentioned the patient's consent. Could you please go into this a little bit more? Consent to release records can be implied or expressed. When a patient expressly gives permission to disclose their information, they tell you either verbally or in writing that they are happy for you to talk to another person regarding their health. Generally, the other person will also be clearly stated. For example, you can talk to my parents about my treatment. On the other hand, it can be quite tricky if consent is implied. For example, a patient may have their partner in the room with them, and on that basis, it can be assumed that the patient is comfortable with their partner being present and possibly finding out information about the patient's health during the consultation. Of course, if we're about to disclose something to the patient that they're not aware of, it might be a good idea to check with the patient privately if they're happy for the other person to be present beforehand. What is acceptable to discuss with staff, family members and other providers? I'll answer it firstly around staff and other providers and go into detail about family after as it can get quite tricky. Starting with staff, it is assumed that all the staff, whether it's the dental assistant, the receptionist or even the cleaner, are held to the same standards as you as a clinician when it comes to a patient's information. The staff would be deemed to be under your supervision and the responsibility of the security of the patient's records therefore lies with you. I think it's important for us as clinicians to regularly remind our staff of their duties related to privacy and patient confidentiality. It is expected that you would ensure that patient information is securely stored and is only made available to those that need to know. In other words, you can disclose information to a staff member if it is necessary for them to know. 
and generally it wouldn't be necessary for your cleaner to know that Mrs. Smith is pregnant. Similarly, with other providers, for example, on referral to an endodontist, it is assumed and accepted that you would disclose the necessary information to them to allow them to provide care to the patient. Obviously, the endodontist would also have a duty of care towards the patient, and there are expectations that they would abide by the laws and guidelines around privacy. But even if you're not referring a patient to another provider, we all will disclose information about our patients to other clinicians, whether it's to ask for an opinion or simply to know that they're there to help out if that extraction turns out to be trickier than we thought it would be. Similarly, a patient may reasonably expect a dentist to discuss their treatment with other clinicians within the practice, and it's unlikely that patient consent will therefore be required before their information can be disclosed. On the other hand, it is less likely that a patient would expect you to discuss their care with someone outside of the practice, and in these situations, patient consent should be sought before their information is disclosed. In general, however, it is possible to discuss details of a case with a colleague, whether they are internal or external, if the patient cannot be identified in any way. Now, when it comes to family members, privacy can be quite complicated. As a rule, parents or guardians of someone under the age of 18 can access their child's records. The only time where this does not apply is if there has been a court order preventing the disclosure of a child's information. I've previously spoken to a dentist who was seeing a young child for routine dental treatment. The parents had divorced and the child presented with the mum, who asked the dentist not to release any records to the child's father. Unfortunately, the next day, the child's father called, demanding to be sent the records. And as you can imagine, this put the dentist in a difficult situation. Should she release the records to the father as requested, or should she say no because the mum had asked her not to? The member called us, and we spoke about the fact that while generally both parents can view the records with or without the consent of the other parent, a divorce had taken place, and since there was a child involved, it was very likely that there were parenting orders in place. Now, a parenting order is a court decision regarding the care of the child and gives us information about which of the parents is responsible for various aspects of the child's care. If the parenting orders say that information should not be disclosed to a certain party, we are obliged to follow this. However, if there is no specific stipulation that the parent cannot view the records, the Family Law Act 1975 advises that the assumption can be made that both parents have equal responsibility for the child and so records can be released. So what then, Kieran, about the situation we see quite often where the patient is over 18 but the parents are contacting the practitioner about the patient's care because they're upset about an aspect of the treatment? What can we as practitioners do? As before, if the patient is over the age of 18, we should not release records or discuss a patient's treatment with a third party, even if it is their parents. A good approach to this would be to tell the parents that we need to be mindful of the patient's confidentiality and therefore cannot disclose or discuss anything with them until the patient has given their permission. We can ask the patient if they have any concerns and tell the patient that the parent has contacted us and ask whether they give their permission for us to talk to the parent. This way we can ensure that the patient is fully informed of the situation and 
the parents will hopefully respect that you are doing right by the patient. One question we are often asked is whether a third party who have paid or co-paid for the treatment can request the records. So, for example, Kieran, a health fund audit. The financial transactions and the patient's privacy are two separate matters. Again, without the permission of the patient, we cannot release the records. Having said this, though, there are a couple of third party payments where the patient has already given consent to the release of their records. For example, the patient may have private health insurance and most health funds have, as part of their agreement with the patient, a clause that allows the health fund to access the patient's records for their purposes. Under Dental Benefits Act 2008, the Chief Executive Medicare may require the production of records to determine whether funds should have been paid and the patient's consent to this does not have to be sought. Can I refuse a request for records? Now, there are some instances where a clinician can refuse to give access. For example, if there is a threat to someone's life, health or safety, if it can impact someone else's privacy, or if giving access would be unlawful. It would be a good idea to give us a call and we would be happy to discuss whether a request for records is unreasonable or the request should be refused. Thank you, Kieran, for that helpful and relevant content. And thank you all for listening. We do hope that this podcast was helpful to you and we look forward to sharing more guidance with you in the future. If you like Dental Protection Podcasts and you'd like to hear more, please subscribe and leave a review.